Welcome to The Upward Journey, the podcast ministry of Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina. You know it's strange, but true. The most important turning points of life often come at the most unexpected times and in the most unexpected ways. Most of us can easily identify that one moment in life where things were going in one direction and then out of nowhere, we intersect what we didn't anticipate. Yet, that can be a good thing because oftentimes we will only understand the miracle of life when we allow the unexpected to happen. Thankfully, Jesus understands this about us as he has done some crazy radical things to show us the crazy radical love of God. Let's take a look at the five craziest things Jesus did as we continue the upward journey. How's everybody today? And it's so good to see y'all. I've had an awesome week. I've had such a great week. Started off last weekend. Wasn't it exciting to be together to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus last weekend? We absolutely shattered all our attendance records we'd ever had. Our attendance record used to be about 1,400. Last week, over the weekend, the grand total was 1,853 people were here with us. Isn't that incredible? It's unbelievable. More importantly than that, 19 people said yes to Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord last week, and that's the most exciting thing, most exciting thing. Now, we love the gathering, but we're not a church that's about the gathering. We're a church that's about the sending. Sending is much more important than gathering. I get more excited when people go out to do ministry than when they come into this room. Uh, last night, we sent over 100 people to the Asheville airport to welcome home some heroes from Washington, D.C. They were on the Blue Ridge Honor Flight. They take veterans to see the memorials in Washington, D.C. And the Asheville Airport was just packed last night with people, with flags, with handshakes, with love. I'm going to tell you, if you miss that, come on next time. It's the most fun I've had in a long, long time, getting to shake hands with some really true heroes. So thank you, all of you who were there. Thank you so much. Thank you all for being such a great church family. Thank you all for not just being about what we're doing on this property, but thank you for being a part about his church, the larger church in the world, with other churches to transform our community. Now, we're in a series this week. We're starting a series this week, and we were scared to death about this title. We were really afraid we were going to tick people off because we knew the idea was going to be crazy things that Jesus did. Now, coming soon, at some point, we're going to do a series on crazy things Jesus said. But we're doing crazy things Jesus did. And so I, the only title I could come up with, and we sat down with our team, was Crazy Jesus. People said, oh, you're going to offend people. I'll have you know, we did reject Jesus Gone Wild. We rejected that one and said, we cannot use that. That will never work. So everybody that wasn't mad about Crazy Jesus is now mad about that one. So, okay. Uh, but uh, we just decided to call it Crazy Jesus. We know Jesus is not crazy and was not crazy. We never thought that, but uh, you and I both know, if we're honest, Jesus did some crazy stuff. He did some things that I just don't understand. I, I can't comprehend why he did it that way, and we're going to look at five or six of those and, and learn from them. Here's what I've learned about Jesus. When you don't understand what he's doing, that is one of your greatest opportunities to learn more about him. When he does something that just throws you a curve, when he does something that rubs you the wrong way, when he does something and you're just scratching your head saying, why would he do that at this time in that way? That is a tremendous opportunity for you to learn more about Jesus. And I guess that's what it's about altogether. 
learning more about him, knowing him better, and becoming more like him. So we're going to look at five or six things over the next five or six weeks that Jesus did that were absolutely crazy. He went into the temple and flipped over tables. He drove people out with a whip. He cursed a fig tree and the tree died never to bear fruit again. Why would he do that? This is the crazy one. He cast a bunch of demons out of a guy and sent the demons into a herd of pigs and the pigs all committed suicide. If that's not crazy, I don't know one that is. What in the world is that all about? He stuck his fingers into a man's ear. That's called a wet willy. <laughs> he did that. Crazy. Mother's Day, we're going to hear maybe the craziest one. He talked back to his mother. I read one this week that I think I may just switch one out or even add it to the list. He called Judas to be on his team. We might explore that when we'll see. But when we don't understand Jesus, it's an opportunity for us to grow. Today we're going to look in John chapter 9 at Jesus' healing of a blind man in the Gospel of John. That is the biography John gave of Jesus Christ. There are four biographies of Jesus that open the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'll give you a little Bible education maybe. The, the first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are called the synoptic gospels because they are a synopsis of Jesus' life. John is written in an entirely different way. He gives seven I am statements of Jesus. He gives, uh, he, he, John is built on sevens, and he gave seven signs of Jesus. There are seven great miracles Jesus did as the Messiah. And the sixth of the seventh sign is the one we're going to talk about today from John chapter 9. And we're going to learn about three powerful things that Jesus did. And we want to make these a part of our lives. Number one, John chapter 9 verse 1, it says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Don't just read right over that. As Jesus was walking along, as he was going about his day, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. First thing I want to tell you Jesus did is Jesus saw. Jesus saw people that everybody else overlooked. Jesus had different vision than most people. He would see things that other people just glossed over. He would pay attention to people that others had forgotten. He would touch people that nobody else would touch. He seemed drawn to people that were in need. Now this particular blind man was sitting, and it was the Sabbath day, and he had been, as blind people were in that day, he had been reduced to being a beggar. I am so thankful for progress in society to where today we develop jobs for people who have physical challenges, and there are many jobs that blind people can do and have a very successful living. And that is a wonderful part of our society that we care for people who've been marginalized by disability. Isn't that a wonderful thing to be a part of in society? We're not perfect, but we're doing better. In this day, this guy was just left on the street to beg. He had no hope of anything, only what people might have mercy on him and give him. So he's sitting there and he's a beggar. And you know how it is, if you see a certain person sitting in a certain spot again and again and again, they kind of become a part of the community that you just overlook. Can we just be honest? No super Christians here today, right? Real people here today following Jesus and struggling sometimes, right? 
People who are needy tend to become a part of the city and everybody knows them, but everybody very easily overlooks them. Because the longer you see something, the more that you become familiar with it. And as you become familiar with it, it doesn't touch your heart. I spent the first uh, several years of ministry in my life on mission trips and, and in other countries. I, my training is to be a missionary. Some of you say, oh, I figured it out. That's why he's a pastor like he is. He never studied any of this. And that's absolutely true. I took one class. I've had education for many years. I took one class on how to be a pastor, and it shows. <laughs> but you put me on a mission field, I'm trained. When I first started going on mission trips, and if you've not been on one, that's starting to open up again. And one of the key things that upward this part of our vision is to get as many people as we can out of this country onto a foreign field to, to show the love of Jesus Christ. Because something happens in you when you see the things you see. When I first went on a mission trip, several of them I went on to different countries of the world, I would notice the children that were begging, and I, it would just grab my heart, and I could hardly eat while I was there. You know, we'd be eating good food, and these kids would be knocking on the windows of our van, and we'd just be shoving food out the window to these kids, giving them everything that we could. I noticed this, though, when I began to live in a foreign country, it became so familiar to me to see these kids that it was easy for me just to overlook them and even begin to see them as a nuisance. Because when you get familiar with something, you, you stop seeing it for what it is. I want you to hear this about Jesus. Jesus saw. He saw into this man's heart. He saw into this man's need. He noticed him. Anybody like to have that kind of vision? Can I see your hands this morning? I need to know that some of you are alive this morning. So, uh, Would you like to have the kind of vision Jesus had? You can. Because I want to tell you where he got it from. Skip back a few chapters in the book of John. In John 5, 17, Jesus said three things. I want you to get really quickly and we're moving on. Jesus said this, John 5, 17. He said, my father is always working and so am I. That verse tells us that everywhere we go, and every situation we find ourselves in, that God is working in that situation. Some of you are going to go out to eat after church today. I should, probably shouldn't get you thinking about that right now, but you're going to go get something to eat. Do you know something? God is going to be up to something in that place. Some of you are going to Walmart after church. Okay, Target. Is that funnier? I don't know. You're going to the grocery store. God's going to be up to something in that grocery store. Because there are people in there that have desperate needs that you don't see with your natural eyes. God's up to something wherever you go. Don't you understand, it's not this, that God's up to something in the church. You ever been to church where they say, God is just moving in this place. He's moving everywhere. He's doing something everywhere. The question is, will we recognize it and partner with Him in what He's doing? Some places it's easy to see. Last night with all those veterans coming by, oh my goodness, we were just shaking hands like crazy. And veterans came by, particularly moving with the Vietnam veterans who had not ever had a welcome home like that. 
And they came by, and I'm telling you, we saw them with tears in their eyes, and just you could see how touched they were by that. I love that so much. I'll talk about that for the next month. Get ready. But it's so easy to see God doing something in those situations. But you can go blind to people. Remember John 5, 17, my father's always working. Then John 5, 19 and 20, just a couple verses down, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. Do you know Jesus said, I don't do all this stuff by myself. He said, he does what he sees the father doing. There's that seeing again. Jesus saw what God was up to in every situation he was in. Verse 20 said, for the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he's doing. Here's how to see like Jesus sees. Walk closely with the Lord. And everywhere you go, I want you to pray two prayers. And if you pray these prayers, you'll develop the heart of Jesus and you'll begin to see what Jesus sees. Say this, two prayers, you ready? God, what are you up to right now? What are you up to in this place right now? And what's my role in it? What am I supposed to do to partner with you in what you're doing? So easy in my life to get caught up in what I want to do. Apparently I'm the only one. I'm feeling very alone right now. Easy for me to have my agenda. Anybody leave your house with an agenda? How many planners do we have in the place? How many of you have your schedule planned out tomorrow? You know where you're going to be at 948 tomorrow, and you're all set. How many have a to-do list? How many live by list? Oh, I love you folks. I, I have a list, and I've got it on my phone, and I check off that list. Can I tell you what we need to do? We need to make sure that the Father's agenda gets into our calendar and onto our to-do list instead of ours. God, make this day not about what I want to do and what I think I need to be accomplished, but God, what are you up to today? And help me to be a part of it. Help me to see what you're doing and help me to partner with you in what you're doing. That's how you'll see like Jesus sees. Number one, Jesus saw. Now let's look at the second thing Jesus did. Then he, verse 6, then he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. Jesus spat. Now, I'm not, a, I'm not the best at grammar. Is spat past tense for spit? It's in the King James, but I'm not sure we say, is it spit, spat, sput? Is that how it works? Is that right? How many are with me as far as spat? How about sput? Does that work for anybody? Just one, Steve, yeah, I'm not buying that. Even him and I cannot d determine that. Uh, Jesus spat. What? This is the really crazy part. Blind man, and Jesus starts spitting. He spit on the ground, made a mud pie, and put it in the guy's eyes. I mean, Jesus actually made it worse. You ever prayed about something and it got worse? I've had people come to me before and say, Preacher, you said to start praying about this, and I did, and it's worse. I'm stopping praying right now. 
Jesus literally spits on the ground, makes a mud pie, sticks it in a blind man's eyes. You don't put mud in somebody's eyes to heal their eyes, at least according to my thinking. There are a lot of theories as to why this is the case. Someone has written this, and I, I don't know, I'm not smart enough to know if this is true or not. Somebody wrote that a possible explanation is this, that there's 32 different substances or chemicals that make up the human eye, 32, and that 29 of them can be found in the soil, and the other three can be found in human saliva. Some of you smart people go research that and find out if that's, absolutely right but that's one possible explanation that's very interesting another thought that really touched I, I think part of it is that mankind was created the Bible says out of the dust of the ground Jesus picked up ground another one that really touched my heart was this this guy was blind and he, he couldn't see anything so he really relied on his hearing if you've ever been around people who are visually impaired, it, it's wonderful how God has engineered this human body for compensation. And if there is a need, there's a problem in one area, God has just engineered our bodies to compensate by giving us special abilities in other areas. And, and if you're blind, you'll really be sensitive to hearing because that's the way you would get around. That's the way you would survive. It's not recorded that Jesus said anything to this man. The first thing he did was spit. The first thing this man heard from Jesus was... Do you like that? Some of you could do better than that. Please don't try now. First thing he hears from Jesus is that. Something critical to understand here, though, is that's the first thing he heard from a lot of people. Spitting on someone was a sign of contempt. There were people in his day, and this is evident. If you'll read the chapter, John 9, read it all. I can't hit it all today. But even the disciples thought this guy was in the shape he was in because he or his parents had sinned. And so essentially they're thinking, blind guy over there, he deserves to be there because he did something to earn that, or his parents did, so he deserves this. And many times they would spit on him in contempt. There was a Jewish tradition that still exists with some of any time you see something evil or disgusting or distasteful, you spit three times to ward off evil. This guy had been spit on many times. Why would Jesus open the conversation with a spit? I'm sure the guy thought initially he heard him spit and that was very common to him. He thought... Here comes another one. I got a spitter. Here comes more shame. Here comes more contempt. Here comes more pain. I've learned this about Jesus. There are times that he'll open up old, painful places as he heals us. And that really hurts. People talk about serving Jesus like, yeah, I'm serving Jesus. Everything's wonderful. I'm joy unspeakable and full of glory. There's some pain to following Jesus. 
You hear me now. This thing of serving Jesus is not easy living. This thing of serving Jesus is not just the best of everything for you. Serving Jesus hurts sometimes. Not everybody wants to tell you that. But I'm not trying to sell you anything today. I'm trying to bear truth to you today. Serving Jesus hurts sometimes because he'll press on things in your life that you'd rather he ignore. And he will open up some wounds in your life. Because those sore places in your life need to be healed. See, Jesus is, more, Jesus is not just concerned with cleaning up the outside of your life. We major on that, don't we? You want to be a Christian? You've got to, this used to be the way it was, and some, you've got to cut your hair exactly the right way and wear all the right clothes and dress just the right way and clean up the outside. Jesus was very, had very little concern in his earthly ministry and today with a person's outside. He was concerned with digging down into the heart and finding everything in there that had been hurt and wounded and destroyed. And many times he pressed on old wounds in order to bring healing to that person. So if you begin to serve Jesus and you start to hurt, it's okay. You can trust him with what he's doing. If you start to serve Jesus and things get worse, you ever heard the statement, sometimes it gets worse before it gets better? You go start working out. And you absolutely destroy your body. And then you get up and look in the mirror the next day. And you'll say, it ain't worth it. You go get you a dozen Krispy Kremes. Wait a minute, I, that's not good advice. But uh, you eat them up. And oh, you'll feel like, oh, it was worth it. But you look at your body the next day and you'll say, it wasn't worth it. What am I saying? Stay on the path with Jesus. Through the pain, through the hurt, you can trust Him that He's healing you even when it feels like He's hurting you. Amen? That wasn't even in my notes, but it should have been. Second service, I'm going to act like I thought of that from the start. Okay? Y'all don't tell Him. He's healing you even when it hurts. Jesus saw... Jesus spat. Now the third thing that he did, John 9, 7, he told him, go, wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. So the man, the Bible says, went and washed and came back seeing. He put mud in his eyes and said, go to the pool of Siloam, wash that stuff out of your eyes. And the man did it and he came back seeing. Jesus sent Jesus saw, he spat, and finally Jesus sent him on an act of obedience. It's amazing to me how many times in the scriptures a person's miracle came when they obeyed something crazy that God told them to do. So many times God gives a step of obedience that's the key to our breakthrough. And many times it's crazy. Can I just tell you, you following crazy Jesus? You're going to do some crazy stuff. You're going to do some things that don't make sense. And God's going to use those things 
for breakthrough in your life and other people's lives. The Old Testament story, the prophet who was called to go to Naaman. Naaman the prophet. Naaman the I'm, I'm totally butchering all this. Naaman was a ruler, and Naaman sent for the prophet and said, please come, please help me. He went to his home. Little girl in Naaman's house. I do actually know this story. <laughs> Little girl, servant girl in his house said, uh, you need to go over to Israel. There's a man of God over there, and you need to go, and he'll come out and heal you. So Naaman goes up and says, come on out, I'm here. Elijah says, uh, go dip in the Jordan seven times. Naaman gets absolutely ticked off. He's like, I'm going home. He's got, he said, we've got better rivers at home. Naaman's got leprosy. He's covered with leprosy, and he's dying, and he's just coming saying, I need healing. Go dip in the Jordan seven times. He gets ticked off. He heads home. He literally turns around to go home. He's like, it's not supposed to work that way. You go back and read it. This is what he said. You're supposed to come out and wave your hand over me. That's how healing happens. Do, you, ever have, you ever said that to God? This is not the way it works. You're supposed to fix this thing. And here I am in the middle of it. And God's saying, do what I told you to do. Oh, that's a word for somebody. You're waiting on God to fix something, and he's saying, obey me. Even if it hurts. And watch what I do with it. Finally, Naaman's got some wise people around him. They said, hey, bud, we've come all this way. If he had asked you to do something really hard, you'd have done it. You would have given him all your money to, clear you, to cleanse you of leprosy, right? And Naaman's like, yeah, I guess I would have. He said, well, why not just do this crazy thing? Naaman went and dipped. First time, nothing. Second time, nothing. Seventh time, He's got brand new skin. That just tells me to obey God when he calls me to and keep on obeying him until I actually see the breakthrough. You ever heard the story of the battle of Jericho? Wasn't much of a battle. We say Joshua fought, the, old Sunday school people know the song, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. I know y'all love it when I sing, so I like to throw some of that in once in a while. It wasn't a battle. Big walled city, they didn't catapult flaming torches over the wall. They didn't even attack. God said, bring out the band. Bring out the band? You going to put the band on the field? I played the trombone in high school. That's manly stuff right there, guys. <laughs> All the guys are very impressed. I wasn't on the field. I was playing trombone. God said, get the trombone players. March around the city with them. Then when I say go, I want you to blow those horns and shout. I can do that. When they obeyed God to the T, guess what happened? When they blew those horns and shouted, the walls fell down and the armies went in. Crazy. God gives us a step of obedience 
And our breakthrough follows our obedience. Number one, this was a test of the man's courage. This man had a real problem after he got healed. Let me tell you about the religious climate of the day. This guy, this was the Sabbath day when they were commanded to do no work. This guy couldn't even beg on the Sabbath day. You'll notice he didn't ask Jesus for anything because he wasn't allowed to. He wasn't allowed to beg. He could just sit there. Jesus comes, spits, put the mud in his eye, go. But did you know, according to the Pharisees' law, God had said, keep the Sabbath holy. The Pharisees had added so many laws to that to where you couldn't hardly breathe on the Sabbath day. And according to the Pharisees' law, it was illegal for him to go wash his eyes out. He's supposed to sit there with the rest of the day with the mud in his eye because it was the Sabbath. I love this about Jesus. I really believe Jesus had a sense of humor because he did a lot of miracles on the Sabbath. Just the, the Pharisees. He did. That's our Jesus. And I love it. And he would often, on the Sabbath day, give them a task to do that broke the Pharisees' laws. Notice this was not God's law. This was the laws they tacked onto. Man by the pool of Bethesda, again the Sabbath day, he said, pick up your mat and walk. Because <laughs> he knew what was about to happen. This guy washed it off. And the Pharisees all came around. What's happened to you? Who healed you? They were more concerned about their crazy laws than they were a guy who got healed. I've been around churches before that were more concerned about the lengths of somebody's hair or their skirt than they were about them getting saved. That's crazy. Pharisees ready to throw this man out of the temple. They even call the guy's parents. Who healed your son? Parents are like, he's old enough to speak for himself. Ask him. Then the blind man tweaks them back. He said, they're asking him who, is, who it is. They, and the blind man said, are you ready to become his disciple too? Oh, I love that. That's one of my favorite scriptures. <laughs> Pharisees. But it was a test of his man's courage because he knew he was going to pay a price. He was going to be persecuted for breaking man-made laws. Can I just say this, church? Let's stick with what God says and get rid of all the tradition and all the mess we've built on top of it and just stay with the foundation of God's Word. And if we do, we're going to be okay. Amen. Test of the man's courage. Secondly, it was a test of the man's obedience. Sometimes it just comes down to this. Are you going to do what God calls you to do or not? When I came to Jesus, I was about 19 years old when I really came to Jesus. Really, I'd, I'd been raised in church, and I'd prayed the prayer and all that, but I just needed personally, I had to make that decision as an adult. When I was 19, I did. I, I don't know that you call me an adult, but that's when it happened. I went off to Bible college to begin studying, be a missionary. And... Um, I remember one day I was praying, and, and this seemed crazy. God reminded me of something that happened in high school. I had this high school teacher that I, I really didn't like, and not many people liked him either. And um, the class had given this teacher a terribly hard time, and the teacher had given the class a hard time right back. I kind of felt like she earned it. But God took me back into that classroom one day in prayer. I remember it. And I remembered that I had lied to that teacher to her face about something. She'd asked me about 
where I'd gotten my homework from, and I'd gotten it from the guy next to me. I wasn't always the perfect little angel that I am now, just so you'll know. <laughs> my wife got a kick out of that, I tell you there. But uh, I lied about it, and it was minor, and she didn't know I'd lied, and I'd totally forgotten about it. But I was, I was praying, I knew in my heart that I was supposed to go back and apologize to her for that. And it seemed so crazy. I argued with God because I said, God, I don't even know all the things I've done and there's no way I could apologize to everybody. And I kept hearing from the Lord, I'm not calling you to apologize to everybody. I'm calling you to apologize to her. And I just said, nope, not going to do it. You ever just told God no? Can we just be honest? How many of you, nobody wants, lightning will not strike you in the church, I promise you. Lightning will not hit you. How many of you have just said, God, I'm not doing that? No, I'm not doing that. It's ridiculous. I'm not going back to that teacher. It's crazy doesn't make sense she won't even remember me I'll be the stupidest guy in the world but you know what I would come home from Bible college and I'd drive by my house is just up the road from the school and I had to drive by that school and I'd see cars out there and I would hear every time I prayed go apologize to that teacher and I still didn't want to do it I fought that for about three years yeah, I'm, I'm that stubborn. But you know what? Knowing you're supposed to do the right thing just has a way of wearing on you. I can't say I had this big honorable moment when I said, I'm going to do what God says. I just got sick of dealing with it. And said, apologizing to this lady can't be any worse than carrying this around all the time. So I got in my car and I drove to the school. I start walking in, I'm like, oh God, this is the stupidest thing I've ever done. I had not been in that school for, for three or four years. Walked in, I remember where the room was, and I went down to her room, and of course her name was on the door. I was praying she had retired by now, and but no, she's still there, right there, name's on the door. And I knock on the door, and then I go in, nobody's there, and I'm like, thank you, Jesus, I'm out of here. She's not here, I did what I came to do. I come around the corner, and one of my teachers who I loved and loved me called my name out and hugged me and just held me there for like 10 minutes talking, telling her my story of how I'd come to Jesus, you know, and all this. She's a remarkable Christian lady. And I said, do you know where so-and-so is? She said, oh, yeah, she just walked down the hall. She'll be back in a minute. Sure enough, here she comes. And I'm like, ma'am, could I talk to you for a minute? She was like, nice to meet you. She didn't remember me from anybody. She never remembered me. I said, well, I was in your class this particular year. She's like, oh, yeah. She said, I remember that class. And I said, I said it just like this. I said, you know, I've become a Christian since I was here. And uh, I remember saying this, doing the right things become really important to me. And this may seem like the stupidest thing you've ever heard. But I lied to your face one day, and I, I just don't do that. And I felt like I just needed to come back to you and say, I'm sorry. Tears went running down her cheeks. And she said, that class was the worst class I ever had. And she said, she said, 
I honestly thought about just quitting teaching after that class. And she said, you'll never know what it means to me to have one person out of that class just come back and say, I'm sorry. And I was able to share my testimony with her of how I'd come to Jesus and I encouraged her to follow Christ, you know. And, and, and it was just this incredible moment of healing for her. And I left that place feeling like, man, I'm a real Christian now. Come on, world. I told you that whole story to tell you this. Just do the thing God wants you to do. You do not have to go back and apologize to everybody you ever wronged. You've forgotten about something. The guy asked me after Thursday night, he said, how will I know? If, how do I even know these people? I said, if God wants you to do it, he'll bring it to your mind by the Holy Spirit. But I want you to remember this. Jesus saw. God, what are you up to? And how can I be a part of it? Jesus spat. Remember that God wants to open some wounds in your life as He heals you. And then remember, Jesus sent. He'll send you to take a step of obedience for your breakthrough to come in your life. Let's pray right now. Jesus, thank you so much for your word from John chapter 9. Thank you, Lord, for the way you healed that blind man 2,000 years ago. And thank you that he's still talking to us today. Still talking to us today. Jesus, I pray that we'll come to that place of seeing what you see as we say, God, what are you up to? God, what's my role in it? I pray, Lord, that we'll be willing for you to open up some wounds to bring deep healing into us. And I pray, God, we'll be willing to take that step of obedience really quickly with heads bowed and eyes closed. Would anyone here today, I won't embarrass anybody, but here today you want to lift up a hand and say, I'm saying yes to Jesus this morning, Pastor. Can I see your hand really quick? God bless you. Thank you so much for that. God bless you. Thank you. Saying yes to Jesus. God bless you. Thank you. I see three. Awesome. 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 We're going to pray with you guys in a minute with the whole church together. I want to ask another couple of questions. How many would say, uh, hey, I want to see what Jesus saw. That really touched my heart. I want to be that kind of person. Can I see your hands really quick? A bunch of them. Yep. How many want to just say, God, I'm, I'm giving you permission today to open up anything in my heart and life you need to to bring healing. Can, that's a big one now. Can I see those hands? There might be some pain ahead of that one right there, but I want you to know you're making the right decision. God bless you. How many can say this? Pastor, there's a step of obedience I know I need to take, and I've been putting it off. Can you just lift your hand if that's you? There's a step you need to take. Yep, yep, see those, see those. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I want to pray right now for everybody here and online that's saying yes to Jesus. Church is going to help us pray, and I invite you just to pray this with us. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me, for dying for me. Today, I repent. I turn away from sin, and I give it to you. Forgive me, wash me, change my heart. From this day forward, my life is yours. Amen. That's why we speak blessing over you every week. If you would lift your hands, if you want to receive blessing today, if you feel comfortable doing so. I was praying right backstage saying, God, give me a blessing. And I received this scripture from the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 says, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, that's home base. Judea, that's a region. Samaria, that's a foreign place. And to the uttermost parts of the world, that's all around the globe. You shall receive power and you will be my witnesses. And the blessing I have for you today is power from the Holy Spirit and an expanded influence as you receive that power. 
What I'm saying is God's going to fill you with power as you open your heart and ask Him to. And He's going to expand your influence for His kingdom to new places to touch your community and your world for Jesus. And with that blessing, go in the power of the Holy Spirit. Your commission, take Jesus everywhere you go. Love you all so much. Thanks for being here today. You be blessed. We'll see you next week as we continue Crazy Jesus. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for listening to this week's Upward Journey. If you would like to find out more about Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina, you can look up our website at ucf.cc or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Upward Christian Fellowship. We invite you to join us next week as we continue the Upward Journey.